Hey, if you're new, welcome uh, to C12. This is a place that uh, we're finding home, doing home, doing life together. Um, now, let me just make a caveat. If you're new with us, uh, we agreed we were going to talk about some crazy stuff, right? Um, only a few of you uh, know about that. Um, what were some of the things I said we were talking about? Porn. What else? Wet dreams. Yeah, that made the list. If you're new, you're like, wait, what? Um, right here. What else? Masturbation. Thank you. Yeah. Feels awkward to yell that out, right? What else? Creeper. Creepers. And psycho girls. Dating, sex. Oh, God, I made a lot of promises. Uh, I think, I, I think um, I'm going to get to most of them. I'm not sure, I'm not sure that I can hit uh, uh, cover uh, pornography tonight. We'll come back to it. I do have some things to say ab about it, but you guys ready to go? All right. So this is a series, by the way, uh, called You Asked For It. And in this series, you guys came and asked us some questions and or decided the topics that we were going after. And one of the things you said was that you wanted to talk about sex and dating and all that kind of stuff, but you didn't want to hear what you always hear. You wanted to hear something else, right? And so this is like the director's cut. This is, this is like the stuff that you never hear, but is super true. Um, and so uh, I'm going to talk about that. And uh, so let me just say off the top, um, I, I just, I believe this. I want to set the stage for the conversation. Let me say this. When, when Jesus enters your life and changes your life, he, he creates a new normal for you, doesn't he? And like if, if, if you think you became a Christian and what was normal is still normal, you didn't. Something else happened. You started going to church. You made some friends who were Christians. You stopped cussing. I don't know what you did, but you didn't become a Christian. Because when Jesus invades your life, he radically changes it and changes what's normal. You get a new normal. A new normal for what you say, for what you do, for what you want. Right? Can't Jesus change what you want? Hello, am I talking to myself? He changes what you want, right? And, and people who live for Jesus are not, should not, cannot be like people who don't. Can we just agree to that? That has to be true. Second thought about this is a community of people who've given themselves to Jesus should live by a new normal. True? We should not be like the world around us. We should be radically different. Do you, do you, uh, think about like his love, his word, his life should shape us, change us, mold us, evolve us. Uh, our, our life should be radically different in very practical ways like the things we're talking about tonight. Listen, our, our life, what, how you guys do this stuff should be a contrast to how people your age far from God do this stuff. It should not be, listen, Christianity is not a subculture, it's a counterculture. Do you understand that? It's not a subculture. It's not like a subculture is just like the world, only with a Christian T-shirt on. But we do dating the same. We talk about love the same. We think everything, you know, the world, we let the world define what's beautiful. We let the world dictate to us how we're going to think about sex. But we just do it with a Christian T-shirt and find a verse that justifies subculture. It's not, Christianity is not a subculture, it's a counterculture. It's meant to stand against. It's meant to be a contrast to the world around us. 
And like Christianity, like lived out truthfully is mind-blowing to the world around us because it's not, we're not listen, it's, it's like this. Jesus intended us, you, this group, to be this crazy blend of totally counterculture lifestyle, but a loving graciousness that the world just doesn't get. That's what Jesus intended. Whatever loses one, if you don't have a contrasting lifestyle or you lack, you know, if you lack contrast or if you lack love, you ain't what Jesus intended. Right? Is that, am I connecting? And so we should live in a way that the people around us don't get. They just don't understand. But they can't deny that there's a wisdom and a strength and a health out of how we live. I mean, think about this. If the people of the world aren't scratching their head, like if, like listen, if, you're, if, you're, if your friend brought you in the room and you're, you're not a follower of Jesus and you're like, well, you kind of do life just like me, then call them out on it and say, hey, your Jesus ain't real because he ain't real in your life. We should be different. And that applies to the things we're talking about tonight. True? So let me, let me just kind of set the stage. Here's what I would love to do. I want to give you five countercultural practices. My hope would be that you as a group would just adopt these. Just do this. That they're going to make you healthy. They're going to work. They're biblically rooted. I don't know that I have a verse for all of them, but I think they're all grounded in biblical thinking. That's going to create a healthy context for you all. Because listen, it's, it's really difficult to go from single to married without picking up baggage, isn't it? Isn't it? It's really difficult. But if, if you guys begin to adopt a way, as a group, a way of living and doing these things that is a little more connected to the Bible, then all of you are going to benefit and all of you are going to figure out how to go from single to dating with just a little less baggage, maybe no baggage which is the goal. If you're not a follower of Christ, welcome. This is going to be, listen, if you're new, we're going to talk about some crazy stuff. And the other thing I would say, and then I'm going to dive into to our five points, is, uh, so I'm going to talk about guys and girls, and, and uh, I know I'm making, like, huge generalizations, and you might go, well, I'm actually not like how you're describing guys, or I'm not like how you're describing girls. I'm not trying to, like, shame you. You can be however you are, but there are some you know, I, I have to do those things to be helpful. And so if, if that's not you, you're great. Just, like, read your Bible while I'm talking about that thing and then come on back at the next point. Um, uh, but I just have to do that. And I'm going to talk probably to guys more than girls because, guys, you suck so bad at this stuff. Um, <laughs> you just do. You really suck at this stuff. Um, um, but girls, don't think I'm going to leave you out either. So you guys ready? Number one. Number one, countercultural. You want to live, you want to do this thing right here. It is. This is, this is going to be, uh, uh, we already got it on the screen. This is, this is a good starting place. Guys, ask girls on dates more. Can I, girls, what do you think about that? Yeah. Do that. More, guys, ask girls on dates more, but not too much. Okay? Not too much, but just more. That's what I'm saying. Not because too much is crazy. Just more. Write that down. I'm telling you right now. We're going to start fun, and we're going to go into deep. Uh, but this is, a, this is a bigger deal than you think. 
So let me talk to the guys for a little bit. Don't really have a verse for this, guys, but have an idea. Uh, just if you're, a, if, if you're a guy who's single right now, just listen up, okay? I'm talking to you. I have something way better than Xbox. <laughs> Girls. They're so much better. So here's what I want to do, and I think we can do this as a group. I think we can do this as a group. I could be completely wrong, but I think we can. Here's what I want to do. I want to talk about single guys, because listen, guys, you're in your college years. Look around. This is a target-rich environment, okay? <laughs> right, isn't it? Look around. Don't, don't delay. Don't delay. This is the right environment to, to like, figure this one out, guys. So let's talk. Uh, and, and I'm asking for feedback, and don't be bananas, okay? So what is the number of, what's the frequency at which, at which uh, guys, the minimum guys should be asking a girl out? Not the same girl, just a new girl. <laughs> what's the minimum? So I'll put out a thought. Once every, like if you're a guy in this room and you don't ask out some girl every other month, then you're asleep at the wheel, can we say that? Every other month, six a year. You got between 20 and 24. And listen, you're, you're, you're trying to get one of them to work out. You're one, you want one of them to work out, but, but are you guys not with me? What do you guys think? What's the minimum? If, listen, let me ask you this. If a guy is in this room and not asked a girl out in two years, is he asleep at the wheel? Yeah. yeah. And listen, I just got like 25 of you. Wake up. Ask some girls out. A lot of, there's a target-rich environment. Come on. Okay. I'm going to suggest, guys, single guys, once every two months, ask a girl out. If you like her, have another date and have another date and have another date with the same girl. I'm not saying go bananas. I'm not saying go bananas. Okay. Now, on the other end, what is too frequent? What's too frequent? Every day is too frequent, but what's like the maximum? What's the maximum? You can't ask two girls out in a week. Well, somebody over here said something. Every other week. Yeah, if, every, if you're doing more than every other week, guys, then you need to chill out a little bit. You're, you're a creeper, okay? You don't know it, but you're a creeper, and the girls all talk about you. So, guys, and I'm, I'm being really serious here. Just, so, just a little wake-up call. More than once every other month, not more than two a month. In that range is healthy. On either side, you're making mistakes. Can we agree to that? Yeah. All right. Again, we're building a counterculture, and that's where we're going to start. Because you, you're either a slacker or a creeper if you do that. There's other ways, guys. You can, I told you we're going to talk about creepers. Let's just have a little fun and, and do that. Um, <laughs> What are other indicators that a guy's a creeper that you can say? What are other? We're talking. You guys tell me. What's that? He's what? He likes your photo from 1987. Yes. Yes. That's a creeper. Um, listen, guys, if you've, here's the one that I, that, uh, such a sure sign. If you've studied the stalking laws to know where the boundaries are, you're a creeper. What else? What other things? What's that? 
Yes, only talks to you on social media. Okay, I think there's some contrarians in the room, but whatever. Okay, there's a lot, there's some creepers. That's all I want to say about that. Now, I have more advice for you men, okay? I don't have a verse, but I think this is all biblical, okay? Men, when you ask a girl on a date, say the word date. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Say the word date. Did you hear that? Don't say we should hang. That's not a date. Okay? Listen, listen, guys, muster up some courage and shoot your shot. Shoot your shot. Go for it. Use the word date so she knows what you mean. You're doing her a favor. Okay? Don't be a coward and weasel your way out into some like, I don't know, we're getting coffee. Is it a date or not? Who knows? Okay? So that's to the guys. Ask some girls out more and use the word date when you ask them out. Okay? That, that's the guys. Let's talk to the girls. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Let's talk to the girls. There's two things you can do. If you thought, by the way, if you thought, girls, you were going to get unscathed through this teaching, you do not know me. Okay? First, just write this down, girls, okay? You need this one deep. Just because he asked you on a date does not mean he wants to marry you. Okay? You hear that? Okay. Did you hear that? I'm losing people left and right. This is great. Let's, let's define what a date means. It means he wants to know you more. That's it. That's all, that's all that it means. It does not mean anything but that. I want to go on a date. And guess what? If he asked you out again, he liked what he had the first time. And if he doesn't, he didn't. Okay? Going on a date is not a commitment to be interested in marriage. It's just he wants to get to know you more. So, girls, don't, when a guy asks you on a date, don't become psycho. Okay? Here's how you become psycho. You write your first name and his last name. And it's a date. Or you start thinking like that. You start wondering if he's the one. On one date. Okay? You start thinking, I don't know, maybe he's the one. I don't know. Could be, couldn't be. And then what you do, because you got psycho, are you guys with me? What you do because you got psycho is you go on this date, and then when you leave the date, you obsess over every detail of the date. And you think it means something. I don't know. He got a Coke, not a Diet Coke. I think he thinks I'm fat. He must think I'm fat because that's what it is. And then, and listen, you're not done here, okay? Because you're a verbal processor. So you got to get all your friends together. Am I getting real here? And you form the verbal processing committee. Okay? You get the verbal processing committee together, and then you start talking about, I don't know, he got a Coke and not a Diet Coke. What do you guys think it means? And listen, just stop. Am I hitting close to home? Okay, listen. And what happens in that little verbal processing committee is the psycho comes out now as a group 
because all your friends are going to obviously interpret everything that happens as he likes you because they're your friends. And so it's like, I don't know, you got a coconut Diet Coke. Oh, I think that's what guys do when they're super interested in a girl. <laughs> I don't know. He was like checking out other girls while we were uh, at dinner and, and your friends were like, well, maybe he was just noticing how much better looking you were than them. <laughs> he was on his phone all the time. He was nervous. And listen, and then you start to believe the nonsense in the verbal processing committee. Here, by the way, I have daughters, uh, and I, I remember listening and going, this is bananas. Here's just a rule. Girls, write this down. Nothing means anything. I'm telling you, do you know why guys, this, I'm telling you right now, this is the truest thing. Girls, do you know why guys do things? Neither do they, okay? Just, it, things are just happening. They don't know. There's nothing underneath it ever. Guys are not sending out smoke signals that if you had the code, you would know if they're into you or not. The guys are not. I promise you, they're not. Guys aren't that sophisticated. And so, so what you got to do is just like stop that nonsense. And by the way, I'll go one step further. Then you convince yourselves he's super into you and he doesn't ask you out on another date and then you feel like he led you on. He did not lead you on. You led yourself on. Okay? You and your verbal processing committee, you guys all led yourself on. Okay? And then you all get mad at him because he's such a jerk because he led your friend on. No, he didn't. And listen, do you want to know why guys like video games? Why? Because you can win a... First of all, what? Because you can win a video game. Listen, girls, just so you know, guys only play games they can win. Guys only play games they can win. So if, when you say, I want guys to be asking girls out, and I can't believe these guys are wimps. They don't ask any girls out. Yeah, because when they do, they get crucified every time. So listen, nothing means anything and a date is a date. That's what you girls need to know. It doesn't mean nothing. If you want to know what the guy thinks, ask him. Don't ask your friends. All right. That's number one. You guys, and listen, that's just, that's more advice from a guy who's been around a little bit. Now let's talk about some, some more real stuff. Can we go there? Are you guys still with me? Did I lose most of you? Okay. You guys wanted to talk about things that we don't talk about. We don't talk about that, do we? All right, number two. Elevate, here it is. Elevate your concept of love and protect it. Listen, in our culture, it's normal to use the word love way too early in a relationship. And for the wrong reasons. Don't downgrade love to upgrade your relationship into something that it's not. Okay? Don't downgrade love to upgrade your relationship and make it seem like it's something that it's really not. If we're the people of Jesus who have a new normal, let's do this. Let's elevate love and let's protect it. Here's what Jesus modeled as love. Look at this verse. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down 
our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's what love is. So here's my questions. Is love, according to the Bible, is it, we're going to use some paper tonight, is it an emotion or is it a commitment? Is love an emotion or a commitment? He laid down his life. Is that an emotion? Uh Uh-uh. Don't downgrade love. Love's a commitment. Is love temporary or is love permanent? We all know that one. Which means love's not something you fall in and out of because it's permanent. If you're saying that, thinking like that, you don't think about love the way the Bible thinks about love. Elevate your concept of love. Become a counterculture. Don't just be what the world is with a cross nearby. Is love something that happens to you or is it something you choose? Hello, is it, a, is it something that happens to you or is it something you choose? Choose. Huh. So when you talk about love, like, I don't know, I just fell in love. I didn't mean to, but I love him. Well, I do love you. I'm just not in love with you. It just happened. I don't know. I just am not in love with you. You're not talking how the Bible talks about love at all. You're on a whole different plan. You're letting the world define love. And you've downgraded love to upgrade relationships to be something that they're not. So when is the right time to start using the word love? All right. That's actually not that complicated. Do you know any relationships that are a commitment that are permanent that you choose? Oh, marriage. Yeah. So love leads to marriage. Okay? You see that? Girls, when a guy asks you, when a guy tells you that he loves you and then the next words out of his mouth are not, so will you marry me? He doesn't know what love is. He thinks love is an emotion. That's temporary. And he probably said he loved the last girl too. But he just randomly fell out of it. Don't downgrade love. Upgrade love and protect it. Oh, if we could be a community that just, we're not, just don't use the word until you're ready to get married. So I know there's some dating couples in here, (laughs) and it just got weird. (laughs) Here's what you don't do. You don't decide what you're going to do together. One of you say to the other, I think we've intentionally downgraded love. Can we stop? Doesn't mean our relationship has changed. It just means we're not going to say the word love anymore. We're going to protect Love for marriage, because that's where it belongs. And listen, and if your relationship can't survive that, it wasn't love. In my experience, how we downgrade love is, creates one of the worst cycles in relationships. One person, usually the guy, wants sex so bad, they're willing to say I love you to get to it. 
And one person so wants to be loved that they're willing to give up sex to hear it. Even though both deep down know it isn't love. And it creates this weird, vicious, ugly cycle. Elevate your concept of love. As a group, just decide. Men, hold each other accountable. In the group. Hey, this is the church. We're a counterculture. We don't do things how the world do things. We live differently. Because, we, because Jesus has in, invaded our lives. And now he gets to define what love is. And he sets a new normal. And the new normal is love is a permanent commitment that we choose. And you never unchoose. It's not something that happens. Don't let Hollywood or whatever nonsense or The Bachelor or some stupid thing Decide what love is for you. Does that connect? All right. Can we move on? Do we need to sit and soak in that for a second? Number three. Let's just keep going. We're going to spend some time on this one. Elevate your concept of beauty and chase it. Oh, we've let the world define beauty for us, haven't we? And guys chase the wrong beauty, and girls feel tempted then to chase the wrong beauty so that they'll be chased by a guy, right? Some version of that. The, the uh, book of Proverbs is one of my favorite books in the Bible, it's a, it's a father writing to a son. That's what it is. It's a father writing to a son and saying to his son, this is how you live right. And his son is going to be a king. So he's trying to make sure, listen, you've lived in royalty. Let me help you live in reality. And why it's in the Bible is because it's God's father's heart to us trying to help us live in reality. And in Proverbs... There are two pictures of beauty, two pictures of women. I'm going to talk to the guys for a second. Girls, you'll figure out your lane in, in this. I just want to talk to the guys because I think you got to drive this. Really do. Can we talk, guys? So I'm just going to read it to you. Two concepts of beauty. The first is Proverbs 7. Let's just walk through it. It's a lot of scripture. We're going to be in Proverbs 7 for a second. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed, I'll just, I'll just read it from here. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner. Because if there's a girl who's, who has this type of beauty, guys, you know what corner she lives on. Her corner. Walking along the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading it as the dark of night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute, which is just, listen, all that means is dressed to appeal to your sexuality. Dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She's unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home, now in the streets, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. 
She took hold of him and kissed him and with brazen face said, today I fulfilled my vows. I have food for my fellowship offering at homes. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and I've found you. I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I've, I've perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Just side note, men, if you're ever with a girl and she starts throwing cinnamon on her bed, <laughs> she's, the, she's the devil. Okay. You want to know who the devil is? Cinnamon on the bed. I've come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband, ooh, huh? My husband's not at home. Oh, dang. He's gone on a long journey. He's taken his purse filled with money. Will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose. Till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways and stray into her paths. You hear that, men? That is not the beauty you're chasing. Many are her victims she's brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. Proverbs 7, beauty, is what our culture says is beautiful and what the Bible and Jesus says is deadly. Let's look at Proverbs 31, woman. A wife of noble character, who can find? She's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks Nothing. Think about the contrast between these two women. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up while uh, it is still night. She provides food from her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hand to the needy. When it snows, she will not fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes courage. She makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate when he takes his seat among the elders. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity and can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting is what? But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. It's just a different picture of beauty. Proverbs 31. And guys, I know what you're thinking. You're like, I want a Proverbs 7 woman, kinda, but some 31, I want like a Proverbs 22 woman. <laughs> Can I just get like in the middle of that? The problem is they're incompatible. They're incompatible. 
a woman whose heart has been changed by God would not be a Proverbs 7 woman. That doesn't mean that sex is bad and girls don't like sex. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is they wouldn't use sex to catch a boy. So let's just talk. Proverbs 7, Proverbs 31. I just want just, to, let's just contrast this. Can we do that real quick? So I want you to catch this. I want you to see it for what it is. Proverbs 7 is sexual beauty. Proverbs 31 is spiritual beauty. Okay? Just totally different. Proverbs 7, by the way, is all about outer things. Proverbs 31 is about inner things. It's not what she does or what she puts on and takes off. It's about what she is that can't be put on and taken off. It's a different kind of beauty. This is done up every day, right? Every day. And this is built up over time. By the way, this beauty increases. This beauty is fleeting. It decreases. Which means this is vanity, by which we get the word vanish. And this is substance. It's what she is. When you see a girl who's dressed to use her sex, sexuality to appeal to a guy, she's clothed in need. You can see the need. You can just see it. That's just a needy, empty, desiring to be filled by something else. And I, I don't hear this as evil and bad and spite you. I'm just saying, let's just elevate our concept of beauty. This person is clothed in, oh, what was the word that I used? Indignity. That's actually the Bible used that word. And by the way, this isn't look however you want. Clothed in dignity. You still look right. Looks matter. You're just not using sexuality to hook a guy. This is all unwrapped and exposed unwrapped and this is mystery modesty there's just a different picture that the Bible's painting the Bible's saying men men be careful Oh, be careful. This will take you down. This will give you blessing upon blessing upon blessing. We live in a world given to Proverbs 7, don't we? Hello, don't we? Listen, we don't have to in this room, do we? We don't have to. And men, it starts with you. I'm just telling you right now, this is not a lesson for girls dressed different. This is a lesson for guys ask different girls out. Chase a different beauty. Elevate your concept and chase something else. True beauty, 
Beauty's not willing. Beauty's worthy, right? True beauty is not something that's put on. It's, it's, it's something that you are. And listen, men, you desire to marry a beauty, and that's a good thing. And women, you desire to be beautiful, and that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying elevate what's beautiful and then chase that. Proverbs 7 is a woman who's desperate and willing to lower her standards to raise her chances. And I would encourage you as a group and as individuals, God wants you elevate beauty in my soul. God wants you elevate beauty in my soul. I've been so given, so drawn. I've been so messed up by the world's definition of beauty that I need you to re- I need you to get into my imagination and just paint a different picture. Far too often in a group like this, all the Proverbs 31 women are in the corner not getting asked out and all the Proverbs 7 women have a line of guys. And men, change that. And by the way, young ladies, don't make trades. Don't make trades on what is beautiful. I would encourage you not to do that. I I think that's a mistake. Here's just a thought, girls. Whatever you catch a guy with, that's what you keep him with. And if you catch him with sexuality, that's how you're going to keep him. And I would encourage you, put your hope, dependence in God alone, who knows what you need and when you need it. You can trust him. You can. You can trust God. And, and just a thought. God is beautiful, and when you become like him, you become beautiful on the inside out. Right? Here's just some scripture that just reinforces this. I mean, just First Peter. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair. By the way, those things aren't bad. I just... You can overdo it, right? You can, like, I'm not saying we should all dress in sackcloth and be, that's crazy. That's not, don't hear that. But look at the picture of beauty. Your beauty should not come from outer adornment such as braided hair and wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. I'll explain what that means, which is of great worth in God's sight. This is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. Gentle means confidence, quiet means at rest. So a soul that is confident and at rest is beautiful. That's what that's saying. The next verse, look at this. I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold. And again, I'm not, don't, don't listen to the braided hair. Just look at the picture of beauty. I don't, like, I, like, don't get weird, okay? I'm not saying we should be weird, I'm saying we should reclaim beauty and elevate it. But with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. If, if Jesus Christ has marked your life, then it, then it should change you. It should change what's normal for us as a group, as individuals. True? Hello. Am I alone now? Am I, did I just alienate everybody? Um, so here's just a thought. When my wife and I started dating... Um, before we even started dating, I remember we were in a Bible college and there were so many young ladies and these young ladies would be like, they'd be like, um, well, I want to go on the mission field, but I'm not married, so I just need to wait and I just, I'm going to wait and wait and wait and wait and because I can't, you know, live life until I'm married, apparently. And, and, uh, um, and then my wife 
uh, she's a senior. She was, you know, about to graduate. And, and uh, I actually, marrying me actually slowed her down. Um, go figure it. And, and uh, my wife, uh, she said, well, I just trust God and I'm going. She said, I'm just, you know what? God will figure out the marriage thing. I'm just going to go. I know God's called me. I'm, I'm in it. And I remember thinking, uh, no, you're not. I'm going to marry you. <laughs> Listen, do you know why? Because she was confident and at peace. And it was attractive to me. It drew me in. It is the dumbest thing to, to go after this. This vanishes. You don't see 80-year-old girls on the cover of magazines. It's not real beauty. My wife is beautiful outwardly, but inwardly there's a growing beauty. You know my wife, I told you she had cancer. My wife's never been more beautiful to me. She was sickly, bald, and and trusted God during cancer and during chemo, didn't complain. She just loved God and felt like God had chosen her for it. And I just, listen, I didn't try to like, oh, I better think she's beautiful. It was just beautiful. It was actual beauty, sickly, bald, beautiful. There's a deeper beauty than what most of us are chasing So, we good on that one? Do you like that one? All right. Don't go to number four yet. Um, oh, God, I can't. I'm not ready for it. It's just bananas. I'm not. I'm not. Um, let me just say, can I just talk to the girls for a second? Um, I just want to give uh, just a, a little bit of fatherly advice to you, if that's okay. Um, and I'm just doing this because I'm, built, I'm just contemplating the next point, and I'm just like, okay, let's just take a break. Um, this is not on my notes, so I just want to say some things. Because I talk to girls. I've, you know, I've worked with, with college people for 20 years, and, and uh, I always meet these girls, that like the, like the coolest girls that are like, well, I just, you know, guys don't ask me out, and all I do is wait. I just wait. My plan to get married is to wait, right? That's the plan. Wait. Do nothing and hope something happens. And, and I, I just have a thought Okay, let's just say you were running a business and it wasn't working. What would you do? Change. Do something else. If it ain't working, do something else. If you're, listen, girls, if your master plan to go from single to married is to pray that a guy parachutes into your backyard with a ring, <laughs> it's the wrong plan. It's the wrong plan. Just a thought. Let me go ninja. Let me, let me teach you how to ninja a guy, okay? Okay. Um, and guys, just chill out. Just do, play, play Xbox real quick um, <laughs> in, in your mind. Oh, Xbox, so cool. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, in the past, you may or may not like this. I may lose the room, but here I go. Um, one of the tricks, girls, okay, if, if, if what you're doing is not working, then you have to do something, right? Because if you keep doing nothing, what are you going to keep getting? Right. Yes. So let me, let me give you an example of something you could do. Uh, do you know in the past, girls used to, when they were interested in a guy, they used to, what do they call drink? Drop your uh, handkerchief, right? Drop your handkerchief. Am I German? I don't know. But you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you, don't, you know what I'm talking about, right? What is it? Handkerchief. Fine. We're going to call it handkerchief. That's fine. I'm in. What did you call it? I can't. I don't. I don't that's not a word that I say. So... We're going to say handkerchief. 
Um, so here's why. Listen, stay with me. Here's why. Girls, if, if, listen, when you drop a handkerchief, what they were doing back then was getting a guy to help them. And what that did was it made a guy feel like a man when they were with you. And listen, you want, to, you want guys to feel like men when they're with you. Okay? If you present a damsel, he'll rescue you. If you present a dragon, he'll fight you. <laughs> guys aren't complicated. Guys aren't complicated. Just be a damsel. And I'm not saying you're weak. Don't hear that. But ask a guy to, hey, will you help me fix the light in my car? And he's going to fix the light in your car. And he's not going to know it, but he's going to think it's cool to be near you. Do you know why? Because he feels like a man. He gets to fix things. <laughs> I'm telling you. Just free advice, just free advice that I'm, that I'm giving away. Okay, you're welcome. We don't even take an offering in this group. We should tonight because that's just gold. That's gold. All right, you guys ready for point four? All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's not about masturbation. It's about lust. Okay, if you're homeschooled, look down. If you're homeschooled, look down. Just, just sorry, too late. Oh, God. <clears throat> I'm so sorry. Ask your friend later what all that is. Um, I'm just kidding. So, uh, um, I'm just going to have a little talk with myself, a little Q&A, as if we were talking. Is masturbation wrong? Good question. I can tell you that I looked through the whole Bible and I couldn't find anything on masturbation. So I emailed some of my pastor buddies, Bible guys. I said, hey, asking for a friend. I, I need to know about masturbation. Is there a verse in the Bible? And all, like 10 guys, no, no, I can't find anything, can't find anything. One guy, all he sent back was the reference, Ecclesiastes 9.10. So I looked it up and this is what it said. Whatever your hand finds to do. Do it with all your might. Uh, right? Some of you. Some of you just found your life verse. You're like, some of you were like, I don't know if the Bible's true or not. Oh my God, it's so true. It's relevant. It's relevant. It was written so long ago, but it's for now. Okay, we, we good? Here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. I can't say masturbation's bad or a sin because it's, the Bible doesn't. Now let's keep talking. I can't say lust is a sin because the Bible does talk about lust. I hate making rules that aren't in the Bible. It's stupid. It's what's wrong with the church sometimes. So I don't want to talk about masturbation. The Bible doesn't talk about sin. You show me a verse, then I'll, okay, maybe you're right. Don't show me that one. Um, <laughs> but, the, but the Bible does say lust is a sin. Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 5. He said this, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And girls, this applies to you too. This is not, this is not, masturbation is not a guy thing only. Just like pornography is not a guy thing, this is not a guy thing. I think there are differences. We'll talk about them. 
But, and, I, and so, I've, again, I've, I've talked to college students for 20 years, and then the college students always go this, well, what if I masturbate and don't lust? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> so, like, what if I just, I, I won't think about a girl. I'll think about, you know, a toaster. And I'm like, well, listen, <laughs> if you can, like, if, listen, if you can think about a toaster and masturbate, we have other issues. Like, we're not, <laughs> that's not the issue. There's all 10 other issues that we got to go solve. Right? Shut up, guys. You can't masturbate without lusting. Shut up. <laughs> Lust is excessive sexual desire. Don't try the toaster thing. You'll get weird. <laughs> and listen, sexual desire is good. So don't hear me say that it's bad. But lust is not good. Excessive and, and obviously, masturbation and lust are connected. And, and then I've had people say this to me, well, isn't it better to masturbate to relieve the sexual tension than to actually have sex? It's like, isn't, you know, like, pot better than crack? Yeah, I guess. Like, <laughs> I guess it is. You got me there. But that question comes from, you can't win, so just choose the lesser evil. And I would suggest sin management isn't a real option. And just so you know, Masturbation, here we go, we're just in it. Uh, masturbation increases your sex drive, so when you masturbate, you're going to have to more and more and more. It doesn't work. So how do you stop? That's a great question. I've been talking about it. First of all, if you're just like, you know, more and more and more, take vitamin B12 because you're probably losing some, nah, anyway, I'm just a joke. You guys need to chill out. You guys are like, vitamin B12, that's so relevant. Oh, God. No, just like, uh, here's a thought. Go outside, exercise, go on a mission trip, right? You can't masturbate on a mission trip. You're going to hell. You know it. Like, you know it. Like, like you know that, that and some of you um, join a small group and talk about it with the guys. With the girls. Guys, this is an issue for me. Exercise. Some of you should be in super good shape. Um, just go get... Um, seriously, I'm just... That's not that bad after what, all that I've said. Um, so what's the answer? Now, let me, let me just say this. The answer is restraint. That's the answer. Restraint. It's not... It's, it's, that's what it is. And it's, I'm just going to say this, and girls, you're at first going to go, I don't know, but I'm telling you I'm right. It's way more, it's way more difficult for dudes than, than it is for girls. Um, I, I think they're, like, ultimately, in, in the real world for, for you, uh, uh, the answer is to get married. That's, that was the intended answer to all this. Okay? Think, think about this. When are guys about ready to, when is their bodies are telling them, let's marry? Like 16, right? Right? When you're, when you're, I'm not saying when your maturity and your lifestyle and all that's ready. I'm saying when, you're, when your anatomy says, let's do it, you're like 16. And the gap between when your anatomy says you're ready and when our culture says your maturity is ready is 10 years. That's almost impossible to win for a guy. Or whatever, you know, what's the average age people get married now? Guys get married like 27, 28? It's impossible. It's, it's almost impossible to win for a guy. 
hard for girls, almost impossible for guys. And, I'll, and, and, I'll, and listen, if you think, well, the pastor said we should get married when we're like 12. I did not say that. <laughs> I did not say that. I'm explaining that, listen, this is a really complicated, like I'm not going to give you the easy answer, like just be better, try harder. No, this is complicated because your body is like, I'm ready. And your maturity is like, mm, you're not ready. And so here's my description of how things play out in guys. Um, at about, I don't know, 14, 16, a little factory starts inside of the guy. I shouldn't say little. Nothing is little about this. Um, <laughs> a little business starts. Reproduction.com starts up inside of a guy. You guys are going gonna, gonna, to, I'm going to hammer this uh, analogy really far, Okay. A little business starts. It's got a manufacturing team and a sales team. Okay? Manufacturing, unbelievable. So good. They're like, they've read all the John Maxwell books. The, they, they work nonstop. They have unlimited potential to just keep producing 24-7. The manufacturing department is winning awards. They got plaques all along the wall. They never sleep. They're just manufacturing, manufacturing, manufacturing. The sales team has no idea what it's doing. Totally opposite. The sales team is like, and listen, and by the way, this is not happening inside of a girl. That's why I'm saying it's harder for guys. This is happening inside of a guy. And he didn't ask it to, and all of a sudden it is. Right? Men, am I right? And, and the sales team, it's like the, the CEO of the company is saying, hey, don't sell anything. You're like, what are you talking about don't sell anything? Look at all the product. We got to sell some stuff. <laughs> what are you talking about? Those warehouses are getting full. What are we supposed to do? What, like, what are you talking about? That's, listen, I promise you, that's what's happening inside of a guy. And it makes it nearly impossible. So, how does that play out? I'll tell you how it plays out. In the middle of the night, the sales team comes and starts chucking product out of the warehouses. <laughs> Ninja style, when no one is looking. You think I'm joking, I'm dead serious. Ninja style when no one's looking. And everyone comes back in the morning and they're like, oh God, okay, well let's keep working and keep going. <clears throat> I told you we were gonna talk about wet dreams. You didn't think I was gonna get into it that way, huh? That's super good, huh? You're welcome. You can use that, it's free, for free. I haven't patented it yet. You can, you, you guys. <clears throat> Listen, if you wanna know what wet dreams are, they're God's magical gift to guys who are trying to live for Jesus. And I'm not joking. You think, I know this sounds bizarre, but listen, your anatomy and your maturity don't line up, and so your spirituality has to take over. Let's just go through the options. You won't have sex outside of marriage. You're not ready to be married. You can't masturbate without lusting. What do you got? What do you got? What's your option? You tell me I've been at this for 20 years. I don't have a better answer. You're so happy, huh? That's good. That's good. That's good. You're so happy. He's high-fiving people. Yeah, I said it. Oh, I said that.
I, I honestly, I, I'm just going to tell you right now, I know this sounds bananas. I know it sounds bananas, but I've, I've, I've sat with the godliest guys, and they, they say, like, God, I just, I just I pray that you would just give me a, like, I, I'm not going to do any of those things, and I just need a release, and so won't you help me? And now, they're not ordering up specific dreams. They're just asking, like, relieve the tension. That's super funny. You guys should laugh more at that, but oh, whatever. <laughs> so... I think when you, when you dive into that subject, I'm telling you, I've been at it 20 years. Uh, uh, it's an issue for everybody. I think for guys, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a just, it's basically unwinnable. That's the answer. Give me a better answer. That is an Xbox. Because um, that's not real, right? We know that. Um, so, so, again, we live different. We live to a higher standard. Um, I think you have to know this. I became a Christian at 20. I got married at 23. And I was not mature enough, but I knew that, that there's no re- real answer to this except figure it out. And I love my wife and all the things, but, but I was moving. Um, and, and again, I'm, I'm open. You tell me. I've, done, I've, I've talked to a room of 1,200 college students multiple times and said, you tell me a better answer, and no one's ever had one. So... That's what I would say about that. It's not about masturbation. It's about lust. And then you go figure it out from there. Am I connecting? Does that make sense? I know we just went weird. I don't know how to get to a, like an altar call from that. I really don't. Um, but let me say this. Number five, we won't have time to get into this. We'll be here all forever. But, but uh, you know, I, I don't have time to really walk through all the nuances of porn. We'll have to get Heather to let me come back in. But let me just say this. There's no such thing as a casual porn user. Don't lie to yourself. Guys, girls... If you look at porn, then you're moving towards an addiction, if not already have an addiction to porn. There's no such thing as a casual porn user. Listen, porn is not pot. Porn is heroin. Okay? Porn is not pot. It's heroin. It literally releases, when you look at porn, it releases something in your brain called opium, which is a, which is a, a brain, your brain produces a chemical that has the same uh, uh, effect that opium has from where we get heroin. It's not pot, it's heroin. You're not knowing, like people dabble with pot, I'm not saying they should, people dabble with pot. Nobody dabbles in heroin, right? (laughs) And you're not dabbling in porn. No, you're not. You're developing an addiction. That's what you're doing. And don't fool yourself. The good news is you can, you can move out of an addiction. You do need to sit with your buddies, sit with your girls, if, you know, if you're a girl, and say, guys, I struggle, and I need, you to, I need you to be God's grace to me, and I need you to be God's truth to me, and help me walk out of this. And it's not just grace, and it's not just truth. And we could talk about that later, but I, I wanted to talk about that um, some, but that's point five. And, and guys... Let me end with this. Guys, you can, you can come up here. Was that helpful to you guys? Was that helpful? That was something else, right? It was a different talk. Ah, you don't have to clap. That's weird. So I want to end with this. I want to end with this, and I'm, I want to invite us to respond. And, and I, specifically, here's why. Look at this verse here, 1 Thessalonians 4. 
It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagan. Okay, don't think we're just, all a pagan is back then is somebody who doesn't know God. Right? Who don't know God. So here's the point. It's what I said at the beginning. When Jesus comes into your life, it should change your life. It should free you up. The way you navigate with these things should be different. Guys, we can build a culture together where you can move from single to married without accumulating baggage. But you cannot do it unless you're willing to create a counterculture. And listen, and you can't create a counterculture if Jesus isn't so big in you that you don't live like the pagans. Like the relationship with God is supposed to set you free to have the options to, to live out the life we're talking about tonight. Your relationship with God is supposed to do that. And one of the realities is your relationship, many of us, our relationship with God just isn't that deep and it isn't giving us those options. And we feel trapped into a different vibe. And what we really need is for God to do a work in our lives. That's what we need. It isn't, I'm gonna try harder to be like, no, 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 we need God. We need a relationship with God that sets us free to live the life we described and to create a counterculture. Not try harder and do, and do better, draw nearer to a loving, gracious, forgiving God who knows how to set you free from these things. And so I, let's stand together. I wanna pray for us. And then uh, what I wanna do is I wanna, um, uh, let's get, move this, uh, move this thing out of the way and move this. What I wanna do is I wanna pray for us and then if you're, if you're just going, man, listen, maybe it has nothing to do with anything we talked about tonight, but you know your relationship with God isn't what it should be. You know you've drifted, and you know you're not, a, you're not living a countercultural, Jesus-centered life. You're living kind of a normal, every, everyone else kind of life, and you need God to do a work. Then I'd love for you to just come forward, and you can start now and, and just start uh, coming forward, and, and this is not between us and you. This is not between me and you. It's between you and God. If you need to get right, maybe you've been in church a long time, but, what, but the type of, of faith and the type of life we're talking about, you have no knowledge of. That's nothing like you. Then you come down and you get right with him. You ask him to set you free from the things that bind you up. And you just come and you kneel and you pray. And uh, we're going to sing a worship song, and that will be your time to respond to him. And then uh, we'll close it out from there. So, Father, I do. I pray over. I, I do. I pray over this group that you that God, you would be so big, that Jesus, your name would be so big and you would be so big in the hearts of these college students that they would be, that they would be freed up to live a completely different life than what they see from others and that you would, Father, you would help them to live out the things we're talking about tonight. You would help them to live for you in all the ways that that means. And God, there are guys and girls struggling with all kinds of stuff in this room. Maybe it's stuff we talked about and maybe, maybe it's not. And they just need freedom. They need your, a, a, a nearness to you that sets them free. And I pray that you would give them, even in this song, what you can do in a moment, right? What God can do in a moment. What God, listen, what God can do in your life in a moment, he can literally unlock chains and set you free. You don't have to leave here in chains. True? You don't. You don't have to leave here in chains. So let's worship well, and if you need business with God on what we're talking about or anything else, you just come to the front, do your business, and, and you can head out from there. I'll, I'll pray over, over at the end, but you just come and you do your business with God uh, as we worship.
draw near to God tonight. We'll draw near to us. Sing worthy. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.
that tonight. For the room of your praise. Come on, I'll build. So I So, Father, I, I do, I pray uh, over us in the room. Um, God, I pray that you would, I do, I pray over this community, this C12 community, that this would be a Jesus-centered revolution and that people around us would be going, I have no idea, no idea how you live, but it's so attractive, it's so right, it's so good, it seems to make sense. Won't you show me how? And eventually it leads to a conversation about you. Won't you do that for us? Our, may our lifestyle be our evangelism. And I pray over those that have come forward and bowed. And, and Lord, there are couples in this room that have, have a talk to, that they need to have, aren't there? We know that. There are couples, there are people that have a change that they need to make. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give them no rest. You would give them no, uh, you would just have a little angst in the back of their soul, Holy Spirit, until they have the talk, until they make the change. And not without your grace and your love, God, but help us to live out your word in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right.